Top stories of the week. Albo does Paris. Also, Revenge of the Daisies. And another day in America. This is News Weekly. I'm Sami Shah and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Albanese Travel Easy gets criticized. News now. Sometimes the sequel is even better than the original. Godfather 2, for example, the second Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Magic Mike XXL, Terminator 2, and of course Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Just kidding about the last one, I was checking if you're paying attention. The first miscongeniality was perfect, of course. Describe your perfect date. I'd have to say April 25th, because it's not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. Funniest line in movie history still holds up. The point being, every now and then we get a sequel which takes the themes of the first one and improves on them. Which is exactly what Anthony Albanese is doing these days. He's taking the top mistakes of the Scott Morrison Prime Ministership and making the Spider-Man 2 version. It's Albanese strikes back. More Albo, more easy. First, Albanese went to France because when Scott Morrison was Prime Minister, he cancelled a submarine deal worth billions of dollars that pissed off the French almost more than if someone had mispronounced something in French, which basically pisses them off a lot. Things have really ratcheted up in the wake of Emmanuel Macron branding Scott Morrison a liar. The Australian side leaked a private text message from Mr Macron to Scott Morrison. Since then, relations between the two countries have been worse than a vegan quiche Lorraine. But no more. Macron and Albanese met in Paris, and Macron seemed as amazed by Albanese as a French woman being introduced to a deodorant for the first time. Albanese wasn't subtle about why he had to make this trip either. He even went so far as to assure France there wouldn't be any more leaked texts. Well, one of the things I will do, and a part of keeping faith, is keeping private conversations private. It's a pretty solid move by Albanese to walk up to France and say, you know how the last guy lied to you and publicly shared all those private messages you sent to each other? I won't do that. Now why don't you and I put the un in reprochement? It marks our willingness to rebuild the relationship based on trust between our two countries, based on mutual respect after what we all know was a difficult period of time. Australia's relationship with France matters. Trust, respect and honesty matters. This is how I will approach my relations. From there, it was on to Ukraine, where Albanese could pose next to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and make wise observation about bits of rubble. When, when did the Russians arrive? You can see the use of tanks, missiles, uh, heavy uh, artillery uh, being used in a civilian area. At this point, going to Ukraine and getting a picture taken with Zelensky while pointing at a destroyed city has become every national leader's equivalent of an Instagram influencer sitting with their butt hanging out over a cliff edge. 
Albanese even pledged more money to help Ukraine, along with weapons and humanitarian aid. The new $100 million aid he pledged comes on top of a package of around $290 million, making us one of the biggest supporters of the Zelensky regime. We will provide an additional 14 armoured personnel carriers, an additional 20 Bushmasters, drones and other equipment that has been requested by Ukraine. But what's an international trip by an Australian Prime Minister without yet another disaster in New South Wales calling him back? Evacuation orders remain in place across large parts of southwestern and northwestern Sydney this morning as the SES go door to door to get people out of danger. Torrential rains caused flooding to hit parts of Sydney and regional New South Wales in some areas for the fourth time in 18 months. Prime Minister Albanese rushed back as soon as his visit in Ukraine was over and began handing out $1,000 payments to flood-affected people. The Prime Minister and Premier have toured the flood-ravaged northwest of Sydney, pledging support for residents now picking up the pieces as the water slowly recedes. A $1,000 payment has been unlocked for the 23 local government areas around Sydney, now declared disaster zones. It was a swift and appropriate response, reminding Australians of that time Scott Morrison was in a similar situation. Not on a trip to a war zone during a flood, but on a holiday in Hawaii during a fire, as detailed in this BBC report from December 2019. As fires ravaged the country in the lead-up to Christmas and some politicians were spotted helping out, it emerged that the Prime Minister was on an unannounced holiday in Hawaii. And despite days of public outcry, he only cut his vacation short by about 48 hours. But that didn't stop opposition politician Matt Canavan, a strict adherent to the coal dust face mask based beauty regimen, from launching criticisms of Albanese. Uh, it's not so much where Mr Albanese has been, uh, it's, uh, it's his focus on everyday problems for Australia. You know, the kinds of everyday problems that Matt Canavan exacerbates when, for example, he celebrates the overturning of abortion protections in America by tweeting, quote, a wonderful day to protect human life. Apparently, the lives of women that will now be lost due to botched or refused abortions aren't considered human by Canavan. Prime Minister Albanese has responded to the criticisms in a statement that both defends his trip to Ukraine and makes a reference to a classic John Candy movie, thus catering to his Gen X base. I travelled uh, from Saturday uh, from France uh, into Ukraine. It was literally planes, trains, automobiles. We didn't have any electronic equipment. No phones, no internet, uh, no communication with outside. There is a war going on. To compare that with a holiday is, I just find, beyond contempt, frankly. And it says a lot about the people who made those comments. It was a defence that drew the ire of Sky News host Paul Murray, whose Wikipedia entry says he has nine toes. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that information. Um, I think Albo's got a glass jaw here, Chris. Now I get it. He's got the brand new car. He doesn't want to sully the new car smell. He knows he's got the Praetorian Guard that'll write oh so amazingly about how he was striding through the floodwaters. But this bloke... Um, well, when he gets a modicum of pressure, pushes back as if you've insulted his mother. That barrage of mixed metaphors was, believe it or not, directed as a question to prominent alleged Labradoodle impregnator Chris Kenny. Where I'm in furious agreement with you is that the media treatment of Anthony Albanese is just so hypocritical. These were people who were frothing at the mouth uh, about Scott Morrison not being at bushfires or not being able to hold a hose or whatever. Uh, really, really... Uh, illogical, emotional, nasty attacks on Scott Morrison about uh, natural disasters.
when he was prime minister. And with Anthony Albanese, of course, they sort of uh, uh, they carry him in on on a throne uh, uh, and and uh, talk about him as if he's God's gift. Uh, I think it's pathetic. Apparently, there's no difference between a visit to Ukraine, from which Albanese returned when informed of the New South Wales floods, and a holiday in Hawaii, which Scott Morrison first lied about being on. Then, when pictures of him on the beach emerged, he returned from and went to a cricket match. Then went to another beach here in Australia. Said the firefighters preferred to be fighting fires and did two visits to recovering towns where the locals were forced on camera to shake his hands and moved away when they told him to fuck off. Contrast that with what New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet had to say about Prime Minister Albanese's response to the floods. Perrottet, I should remind you, is from the opposition Liberal Party. I know in some quarters the Prime Minister has been criticised for being away. Uh, what I would say is, um, from my perspective, the federal government needs to balance international concerns and domestic concerns. But um, as soon as he could, he picked up the phone to call me. You know what? I've been using a wrong metaphor all along. This isn't a good movie with a great sequel. This is a bad first movie with a good sequel. Of which only one exists in the world. Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Khan! If you listen closely, you can hear Theresa May laughing news now. In a shocking turn of events that everyone saw coming, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who just weeks ago survived a massive vote of no confidence from his own party, has resigned as leader of the Conservative Party for now. This most recent disaster started because of something ripped straight from 2021 Australian politics, a sexual harassment allegation that the Prime Minister lied about knowing of. Honestly, now the Brits are just plagiarising our screw-ups as well. The latest scandal, the handling of sexual misconduct claims involving a senior MP, appears to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Boris Johnson insisted he didn't know about the groping allegations levelled against Chris Pincher when he promoted him. No, no, you heard that correctly. In case you doubt your ears, here, let me play it back. Groping allegations levelled against Chris Pincher. Yep, the guy who allegedly groped two men is named Pincher. And that's where the puns begin in British Parliament this week, because what's a political crisis in England without it sounding like an insane version of an Enid Blyton story? The charge of the lightweight brigade. Isn't this the first recorded case of the sinking ships fleeing the rats? Those were from the opposition leader Keir Starmer, whose whimsical wordplay is really quite useless right now, given how many of Boris Johnson's own party colleagues are already coming at him with much less poetic attacks. Does the Prime Minister think there are any circumstances in which he should resign? <laughs> the real attack began with the resignation of Johnson's Health Secretary, Sajid Javed. We have to conclude that enough is enough. This was followed by another resignation from Johnson's Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak. Javed comes from a Pakistani background and Sunak from an Indian background. And there is nothing that makes me happier than two South Asians bringing down the British government from the inside. This has been the long con. We've been plotting this shit since 1947. Now they're going to do shots on Lord Mountbatten's grave. Since then, over 50 members of his cabinet sent in their resignations, some literally while staring him in the face at a liaison committee meeting of senior members. Prime Minister, how's, how's your week going? Terrific. 
Turns out they had been keeping up with the news. It's, it's being reported that there's a delegation of your cabinet colleagues waiting in Downing Street, including the chief whip, the transport secretary and your new chancellor, waiting to tell you when you finish here today that it's time for you to go. How will you respond to that? You're asking me to comment uh, on... This conversation uh, will happen in a few minutes, Prime Minister. If so, you say. Uh, but I, I, I'm not going to give a, a running commentary on political events. Uh, we're going to get on with the government of the country. That was Boris Johnson's refrain time and time again, that he wouldn't waste time with these resignations, not while he was busy getting the job done. The job of a prime minister in difficult circumstances when he's been handed a colossal mandate is to keep going. And that's what I'm going to do. And he did keep going, all the way out the door of 10 Downing Street. It's an ignominious end to the prime minister who came to power with an 80-seat majority in 2019. Who could have predicted he would end up falling from power so suddenly over multiple allegations of deception and corruption, especially given his esteemed behaviour prior to becoming prime minister? Like that time he described Hillary Clinton as a, quote, sadistic nurse in a mental hospital. Or that time he wrote a limerick about Turkish President Erdogan that went, there was a young fellow from Ankara who was a terrific wankerer till he sowed his wild oats with the help of a goat, but he didn't even stop to thank her. He then went on to describe Africans as pickaninnies with watermelon smiles, described gay men as tank-topped bum boys, allegedly got angry over an inquest in the 2005 London terror attacks and yelled fuck the families, fuck the families, recited a pro-colonialism poem on a visit to Myanmar, lied about the EU taking £350 million from the NHS, repeatedly ignored conflict of interest rules, blew £43 million on his Garden Bridge vanity product, wasted £300,000 on illegal water cannons, said the Libyan city of Sirte had a bright future as soon as they quote cleared the dead bodies away, boasted about whiskey in a Sikh temple, joked that the Papua New Guineans have quote orgies of cannibalism, unlawfully shut down parliament, boasted about shaking hands despite covid threats and when he had multiple parties at Downing Street while the entire population was quarantined he lied about that as well. Really who could have seen his entire party rebelling against him until he's forced to resign as a possible eventuality? After several hours of making the world wait and thus reminding us all how hard it is to get rid of a British government, even inside the British government, England's first clown prime minister stepped out of his party palace to announce his resignation. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. It, thank you, thank you. I'm pretty sure they were applauding his resignation, not his excellent work in representing the clown community. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, that the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. And the timetable will be announced next week. And I've today appointed a cabinet to serve, as I will, until a new leader is in place. So he's going, just not right away. So I want to say to the millions of people who voted for us in 2019, many of them voting Conservative for the first time. And the last time. Johnson then went on to list all his failures as if they were achievements. And of course I'm immensely proud of the achievements of this government, from getting Brexit done to settling our relations uh, with the continent for over half a century, uh, reclaiming the power for this country to make its own laws in Parliament, getting us all through the pandemic, delivering the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe, the fastest exit from lockdown and, in the last few months, leading the West in standing up to Putin's aggression 
in Ukraine. I mean, none of that went the way he's describing it, but then historical accuracy was never Boris Johnson's strong suit. Hell, wearing suits wasn't even a strong suit. I've travelled to every part of the United Kingdom, and in addition to the beauty of our natural world, I found so many people possessed of such boundless British originality and so willing to tackle old problems in new ways. Largely because the old problems are still unfixed and all the old ways of fixing them don't work anymore. Our future together is golden. Which means he's stealing the garish golden wallpaper from 10 Downing Street. American news will kill us all. News now. There's been another mass shooting in America, the 15th of this year so far. This one on an Independence Day celebration. Seven people killed and 47 injured. One thing that experts have repeatedly highlighted is how, in the aftermath of these shootings, it's important not to replay footage of the attacks on the news and to publicly name the attacker, as most often the shooters are seeking notoriety and being on the news so prominently motivates more of them. Anyway, here's fucking CNN. Uh, Andrew McCabe, we've got some video of the actual uh, shooting incident from earlier in the day in Highland Park, Illinois. Let me play some of that for you and then we'll discuss. New investigative details tonight about the suspect, Robert Cremo III. They also discussed his manifesto in detail on air. And while CNN was doing everything possible to act as his publicist, here's Tucker Carlson from Fox News acting as his defense attorney. They know that their lives will not be better than their parents. They'll be worse. That's all but guaranteed. They know that. They're not that stupid. And yet the authorities in their lives, mostly women, never stops lecturing them about their so-called privilege. You're male. You're privileged. Imagine that. Try to imagine an unhealthier, unhappier life than that. So a lot of young men in America are going nuts. Are you surprised? So there we go. It's women's fault. Meanwhile, the shooter posted photos on his social media of himself draped in a Trump flag and was stopped three months earlier trying to break into a Jewish temple. Women, apparently, can make you hate Jews, worship Trump, and shoot up a parade because they talk about male privilege too much, which, according to Tucker Carlson, is basically female privilege. Yet somehow women don't react to that by shooting innocent people in a parade. If they did, though, I'm sure Tucker would defend them as well, why CNN basically provided a how-to guide for future women shooters. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. If you like the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a review and a five-star rating. And also, while you're at it, head over to the Chaser Report podcast and leave a five-star rating for them. And then in the reviews, write a comment about how much you love News Weekly. Apparently, people have been doing it and it's really pissing them off, which I love. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. <laughs>